Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 17 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is part two in our review of the ongoing special counsel's investigation of the Trump campaign and its relationship with Russia. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. This is the second of three episodes on the Russia investigation. In today's episode, I wanted to return to discuss the Michael Flynn plea agreement and Michael Flynn's uh, illegal conduct. In the first episode, I reviewed special counsel Mueller's prosecution strategy, sources of evidence, the Manafort-Gates indictment, and the George Papadopoulos plea agreement. The Michael Flynn agreement, plea agreement, which was entered in court on December 1st, 2017, was clearly the most significant development in the Russia investigation to date. Flynn has been at the center of the Russia investigation from its inception, and his foreign business contacts date back to 2015, around the same time he began meeting with the Trump campaign. This includes trips he took to Egypt and Saudi Arabia to promote a Russian-Saudi power plant business venture, as well as payments from a Russian air freight company, a Russian cybersecurity company, and payments for a speech made in Russia at the RT News Gala in December 2015. Later in the summer of 2016, his company, Flynn Entail Group, entered into a lobbying contract with a Dutch company to promote Turkish interests. During the election, he sat in on classified briefings while while also being paid for his lobbying work for foreign clients. He also met with senior Turkish government officials to discuss the rendition to Turkey of a cleric and U.S. green card holder. After the election, on November 17th, Flynn was designated as Trump's national security advisor. Later that same month, however, the Justice Department sent a letter to Flynn notifying him that his lobbying work was being investigated, and Flynn retained counsel. The following day, Flynn and Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law, attended a meeting with the Russian ambassador to discuss setting up a back channel of communications with the Russian government. Throughout December, he had a series of communications with the Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislyak, which would later become the basis of the charges brought against him. On January 4, 2017, Flynn informed the to-be White House counsel, Don McCann, that he was under investigation with respect to his lobbying activities. On January 24, 2017, Trump's inauguration and Flynn's appointment as national security advisor occurred. Flynn was interviewed by the FBI. Two days later, acting Justice Department head Sally Yates informed McGahn that Flynn was not being truthful about his contacts with the Russian ambassador. These events would lead to his resignation or firing from the post of national security advisor after 25 days on the job. The investigation into Flynn continued in the following months, and a grand jury was convened in Alexandria, Virginia, to examine Flynn's lobbying work. Following the appointment of Mueller as special counsel in May, his team took over the ongoing Flynn investigation, and a second grand jury was convened in D.C. 
Concrete indications that Flynn might reach a plea deal first arose over Thanksgiving when news broke that Flynn's attorneys and Trump's attorneys were no longer able to communicate with one another pursuant to a joint defense agreement. This is a telltale sign that a defendant has decided to cooperate. It is very common for a group of defendants, or in this case, subjects of the investigation, to establish a joint defense agreement in this, involving the joint defense group, which allows the counsel then to share information with each other about the ongoing investigation and preserve the privilege to preserve not only attorney-client privilege and confidentiality of these conversations. Once a defendant does not share the same common interest and agrees to cooperate, that defendant has to withdraw from the joint defense agreement and inform co-counsel. That is what happened here. If his counsel continued to be part of the joint defense agreement while cooperating with the government, other defense counsel would have been able to object to testimony by the defendant, meaning Flynn, who had turned cooperating witness, claiming that it may be based on privileged information. One week later, on December 1st, a plea deal was announced and a hearing quickly arranged where Flynn Flynn pled guilty to a single count of false statements, subjecting him to a maximum penalty of five years. In the plea agreement, he agreed to cooperate with the special counsel. Flynn specifically admitted to making false statements concerning, one, his discussions with the Russian ambassador on December 29, 2016, concerning Russia's response to sanctions imposed by the Obama administration in December 2016. Two, his discussion with the Russian ambassador on December 22, 2016, concerning Russia's upcoming vote on a U.N. resolution condemning Israeli West Bank settlements. And three, his denial of his writing and publication of an op-ed on Turkey pursuant to an agreement with Turkey. The plea agreement does not mention anything about potential prosecution of Flynn's son. However, media reports have stated that according to sources with knowledge of the talks between Mueller's team and Flynn's attorneys as part of Flynn's negotiations, his son, Michael G. Flynn, is not expected to be charged. If such an agreement was reached, it would have to be in writing and including it in the plea agreement. The absence of this issue in the plea agreement means that no agreement has been reached. There is no way that the the Mueller-led team would ever agree to anything orally that's not put in writing and preserved in the plea agreement. Flynn's agreement is significant because of his cooperation and the crimes he allegedly committed, which were not included in the plea agreement. These involve potential kidnapping of opposition Turkey political figure located in Pennsylvania, involvement in the Russian-Saudi nuclear business venture in the Middle East, failure to disclose lobbying relationships and payments from foreign governments, and inaccurate filings in both financial disclosures and his security clearance renewal. He also is alleged to have taken official acts while national security advisor that were to benefit both the Russian-Saudi nuclear deal and Turkish interests in proposed military engagements. The question is why special counsel Mueller took such a deal, which is obviously a sweetheart deal for Flynn. There are several explanations for the Flynn deal. In most cases, prosecutors require cooperating witnesses to plead guilty to and acknowledge all of the crimes committed. Such a plea agreement makes the cooperating witness a more effective witness because he or she has pled guilty to his crimes and is hoping for leniency from the government recommendation and the judge who will sentence the defendant. 
the plea agreement also contains no mention of other crimes that the defendant, Mr. Flynn, may have committed, and there is no protection provided for these other crimes. The protection that is provided in the plea agreement is limited to the statement of facts and the statement of offense. This curious absence may indicate that there may be more going on behind the scenes with regard to the Flynn agreement, in that they have not fully debriefed him, nor or that he has not acknowledged fully all of his criminal conduct. Another significant explanation for the sweetheart deal is the value of Flynn's cooperation and the leverage that Flynn and his lawyers had because of his information. In particular, Flynn could have significant information against higher-ups like Trump, Vice President Pence, Jared Kushner, Trump Jr., and potentially others. His information can relate to both of the topics at issue, collaboration with the Russians and obstruction of justice. In particular, Jared Kushner has been reported as someone that Flynn may have relevant knowledge concerning uh, his own activities. In the days before Flynn's plea deal was announced, he was in fact re-interviewed by Mueller's team, and the he being in that case Jared Kushner. According to the reports, the meeting was aimed in part at establishing whether Kushner had information on Flynn that might be exculpatory. I'm not so sure about the accuracy of that report. My suspicion is that Flynn claimed something with regard to a joint meeting with the Russians and Jared Kushner, and before the special counsel accepted the explanation, they spoke to Jared Kushner to verify Flynn's explanation. Flynn's cooperation will be limited to testimony and review of documents and prior intercepts. While his plea agreement includes standard boilerplate language relating to proactive cooperation, given the the notoriety of his plea agreement and the fact that most uh, other subjects are already represented by counsel, I do not foresee any potential cooperation, especially when uh, so many subjects are already aware of of Flynn's cooperation. Flynn's sweetheart plea deal also reflects the special counsel's calculation that Flynn will be a credible witness despite the charge bargain and the benefits that he's been given up front. It's worth comparing, though, for a minute, the Flynn plea agreement with the plea agreement uh, entered into with George Papadopoulos. For Papadopoulos, his plea agreement had no obligation to cooperate and instead provided that if he did cooperate, the government agrees to bring to the court's attention at sentencing the defendant's efforts to cooperate with the government on the condition that Papadopoulos continues to respond and provide information as requested by the government. However, on July 28th, the day after Papadopoulos' arrest, the government filed a motion to seal uh, the uh, the plea agreement, claiming that the, the disclosure of it would significantly undermine his ability to serve as a proactive cooperator. This suggests that Papadopoulos may have actually cooperated or at least was contemplated to cooperate by the Mueller team in proactive matters such as recording telephone calls or meetings. Notably, however, Papadopoulos' plea agreement did not obligate any future cooperation by him. Papadopoulos could have been charged with obstruction of justice for his deletion of Facebook messages and change in his cell phone account, so his benefit or bargain may have been a charge bargain. He could have been prosecuted for obstruction of justice, but he was not. 
in my view, that should have been mentioned in the plea agreement if that was part of the bargain. With respect to his cooperation, it is hard to understand why there is no requirement that he continue to cooperate. He may have been fully debriefed, and the government did not anticipate needing him for any further information, and felt comfortable because his statements were memorialized in FBI Form 302s, or he may have testified, in fact, in front of the D.C. grand jury. It is hard to know exactly what the strategy is behind the Papadopoulos plea arrangement. In contrast, Flynn's own plea agreement carries with it an obligation that Flynn cooperate in the future in a number of specific ways. He has to cooperate fully, truthfully, and completely and forthrightly with the special counsel's office, and this is all standard language that is usually included in any cooperating witness arrangement. Flynn also agreed that he would promptly turn over to the uh, special counsel or other law enforcement agencies such as the FBI uh, any and all evidence of crimes about which he's aware, any contrabands he has, and all assets that are traceable to the proceeds of such crimes. Again, all of this is standard language. He also agreed to meet with federal agents for interviews without the presence of his counsel. I personally know Flynn's lawyers, and I'm well aware of their abilities to represent such a client. I can imagine how they negotiated the deal, proffered the information Flynn possessed, and then permitted Flynn to undergo an off-the-record interview to verify his information and his credibility. Make no mistake about it, the Flynn deal is significant and could lead to serious charges against others. This is all the time we have today for part two of uh, the Russia investigation episodes. Join me for part three as we discuss an overview of the investigation and likely next steps. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At Ethical Companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.bokoflaw.com our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our new podcast series. You can contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve your goals.